0: You're listening to the cycling podcast Femina, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches.
1: Hello, my name's Rose Manley. No, it's not. My name's Richard Moore, and I'm leading a, a makeshift, uh, a ragtag collection of uh, cycling podcast Femina ers this month. Um. Orla Chenowee, hello, hello Orla.
2: Rose gives a much better big up than that, ragtag my backside. The, the, fa- the fabulous,
1: the, the fabulous Orla Chenowee, is little that little better?
2: better? Thank you Richard, hello.
1: And Lizzie with a Y, <laughs> Banks. Hello Lizzie.
2: Hello Richard. I, mean, I could... thought we had,
3: I thought we'd successfully booted you out of the job after you know a week at the women's tour and we were just waiting for, for Lionel to pounce on on Orla's job, but you're back. <laughs> you're blooming back. I didn't
1: know <laughs> oh, I oh, oh, Hang on a brilliant.
3: minute. Easy there, tiger. I mean, Lizzie.
1: You,
3: I'm the only remaining yeah, cobble. Be, you, I am the only, I mean, hopefully being Lizzie and being the only remaining cobble gives me some hope for 2022.
1: You'd be terrible in a, in a three-up breakaway, uh, <laughs> I Lizzie. I thought you were going to I'd be thing.
2: terrible at Paris-Roubaix. <laughs> Or maybe maybe would really wonderful at the your three two up breakaway, breakaway companion. she went just off the front and left us for dust, Richard, which is clearly what she's trying to do. Richard, if you That's watched women Cycling, it, you would know that I am brilliant in a three up breakaway
3: <laughs> and I would probably do a hell of a lot of the work, but I would attack you and leave you for yeah
2: like end. like a hundred yeah, kilometers I, can, I, don't doubt,
1: <laughs> I don't doubt it for a second well this, this month it was actually supposed to be rose orla and lizzie but i i was away on holiday however we've had to change a course at the last do, minute do, because do, do, do. rose has Woo! had a baby a baby girl this Woo! week so obviously we send our, our 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 congratulations to Rose and Phil and the welcome the unnamed baby daughter baby Rose into the world. Not it's great only, news and uh, mother and she, daughter are not doing only well. Has she
2: had a baby, she's won 6 quid in a pub quiz. What a week that's been. Well it was the for thrilling Rose excitement of winning
3: 6 <laughs> quid in a pub quiz that sent her into labor and that's why she couldn't be here
2: today. It's wonderful congratulations, well, congratulations I mean, Phil, and welcome to the world little baby.
1: congratulations absolutely um Phil her partner didn't rule out her doing the podcast regardless <laughs> but uh that didn't happen so here I am um and uh here we are with the November episode of the cycling podcast femina first time for our little lineup um and we've got lots to lots Last to cover with as ever with it. but we should first... <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> i should i should ask where where you both are because um i think you're at home lizzie is that right i am
3: at home yeah sunny sheffield there's actually fireworks going off in the background which is pretty nice
1: so of course it's uh it's uh Bonfire guy night, tomorrow. night isn't it tomorrow or lot you and i are spared the fireworks in, in our respective countries but where are you because you're not at home i'm
2: not at home i'm in majorca just uh down the road from palma I'm here for the first ever UCI Track Champions League, which gets underway on Saturday. As ever, once I've been parachuted into a brand new event, I'm so excited. And this is totally genuine. I think it's going to be absolutely amazing. So we were done at rehearsals earlier. Um, so I think by the time this goes out, you'll still get the chance to watch the first ever round of it. Um, but we might talk about that a little bit later. But that's where I am. And you're at home, Richard, are you? After your little travels to the south of France?
1: Yep. I got back last night. Yeah, I was away in South France. Got back last night, so straight back, straight back into it. Two podcasts today. We recorded regular podcasts. It was like a morning. normal job, and An and actual, here we are.
2: Actual work.
1: It is kind of like yeah. I've been working today, working hard, and catching up with everything that's been going on. I mean, in tonight's episode, we're going to hear Lizzie's report from the the British National Road Race, and I'm very curious to get your to get a sense from you, Lizzie, about what it's been like being on the other side of the fence, because you did a brilliant job covering the women's tour for us with Lionel and Rose. It was absolutely compelling listening. I thoroughly enjoyed following the race um, through listening to the podcast. lovely to be on this side, and, actually, wasn't it? And follow it
2: uh, as a listener, I thought,
1: yeah, it was. It was very enjoyable. Yeah, so we'll hear that. We're going to talk a bit about the Tour de France fam about the final women's world tour race of the season in Durant. And we're going to hear from Suzanne Anderson, uh, who is leaving Team DSM to join UNOX next year. There's other, other bits and pieces as well. Perhaps one or two exciting bits of news. I mean, Lizzie's promised us some bombshell She's in the middle of this. Teasing us all afternoon, the that. little
2: minx. Can't wait to see what this is going to be. Oh, You're going to have to keep <laughs> waiting, keep waiting till the end. Oh of the my episode. goodness!
3: Something very exciting is coming up. Nobody listens all the way
2: to the, the end. end. The Even episodes. I don't. I'm just off by then.
1: Well, let's not be too specific about when it is, because we don't want people forward. to just, uh, you know, go go right right to the end. It could be at any point in the episode. But before we get to that, Orla, do you have a news I roundup do, for us, please?
2: Indeed, and since last we met. We've had a first ever Women's Paris-Roubaix, an event so monumental that I felt the race could only let us down. And it didn't. It was superb. It was thrilling. It was beautiful and won in spectacular fashion by Lizzie Dignan, who went in a phenomenal 79 kilometre solo ride initially to protect her team leaders because she was rider number three on the day, according to her, for Trek Segafredo. But she built up such a lead that she kept rolling with it and bumping with it and sliding with it until she crossed the line in the Roubaix velodrome with the blood on her hands, matching the colour of her nail varnish for an image that did justice to the magnitude of the day. Mariana Voss finished in second. She was one minute, 17 seconds behind. And we had a Trek 1-3, thanks to Elisa Longoborgini finishing in third. Um, I want to take a quick diversion via the track, if I may, before I continue with the road, because we have a new Women's R record holder with Joss Loudon setting an amazing distance of 48.405 kilometres in 60 minutes, beating Vittoria Bussey's record of 48.007 kilometres, which she set in 2018. Joss Loudon then went on. And? Oh, yeah, Go. If you would like to hear to
3: hear Joss talk about that hour record, you can listen to the latest episode of Service Course where we had a feature
2: interview with her about it. Oh, you're so good. I love it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Joss then went on to the women's tour, where she finished second in the time trial, which was won by the overall winner, Damie Vollering, uh, capping off a phenomenal season for the 24-year-old Dutch woman. Um And after saying that women's cycling has been bucking the male trend for younger winners, it was a youngsters podium with two 22-year-old French women making up the rest of... That particular podium, Juliette Labus of DSM and Clara Caponi of FDJ Nouvelle-Aquitaine Futuroscope. Just a quick word on those two French women, if I may, because they both come through the development ranks of their teams. Labus has been with Sunweb since 2017 and stayed on in its current DSM incarnation. Caponi has been with FDJ since 2018 when she joined as a trainee and for Labus I should say Labou probably her second place was her best result yet um, she also finished 5th in the time trial at the women's tour after finishing 6th in the worlds at the time trial um and was runner-up in her nationals behind Audrey cordon Rogo, So a great season for her. And it's been a breakthrough race, really, for Caponi, as you guys said, on um, the Daily Podcast. Two podium finishes at the Women's Tour. A second and a third, giving her her best race results yet. We had other stage wins. And what a revelation. Yeah, massive, wasn't it? I loved your... Sorry, I shouldn't interrupt no you. No, do you? But It was just...
3: You know, being a rider in the peloton and then finding a new rider in the peloton, you know, a colleague that you're so excited about, that's just really breaking through. It was just brilliant. And she was so lovely to talk to and so energetic and so enthusiastic. So brilliant. Well done.
2: Well, I do love that. (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) Because we get excited about new riders on the outside. And I just feel like we're still, even if we follow it closely, we're at such a distance distance from knowing how much of a surprise somebody is or how much of a revelation somebody is. And I love that actually, you, we got to hear your surprise at that and your delight. And then as well, you're getting to speak to her in a different way than you would if you were riding alongside her. It's a different experience, isn't it? Yeah.
3: Yeah, it was an amazing experience. Yeah, um, well, sorry, we, I shall not interrupt. No, please anymore.
2: do. We do jazz freeform at news roundup, so I'd much rather that. And it also, shows you're paying attention, which is quite nice. <laughs> um, we did. Richard's actually. I'm asleep. also paying attention. <laughs> that was very pointed. I wanted to see if Richard picked up on it. He didn't. We'll poke him in a minute. We'll wake the beast.
1: That's why I said I'm paying attention.
2: <laughs> anyway, at the Women's chair we had other stage wins from Marta Bastianelli, Amy Peters... Two stage wins for Lorena Vivas and Elisa Balsamo. Then the Ronda van Drenthe. Lorena Vivas, continued her double stage winning form from the Women's Tour where she won the points jersey incidentally, I forgot to mention. And she took that into the final Women's World Tour race of the season for this year um, to take the win over Elena Cecchini of Verks and Eleonora Gasparini of Valcar Travel and Service. It was an excellent result. For the 19-year-old Italian, another youngster coming through. She's a European junior road race champion from last year. Junior national road and time trial champion as well. And this is her first year at this level. So clearly a name to watch for the future um, we've had lots of bits and pieces of news. I'll pick out some of the main ones, but guys, button in if I've uh, left anything significant out. But UAE Team Emirates are taking over the Women's World Tour license of Alé BTC Ljubljana. That's from next year. Alé say they will remain in women's cycling. Movistar have completed their 14-rider roster for next season by signing Arlena Sierra on a two-year contract through 2023. I'm excited to see what she'll do there. Carmen Small is joining Yombo Visma um, as a sports director from next year. She's been a DS at the Serratis at WNT squad for the past two seasons. Kristen Faulkner has signed a two-year contract with Team Bike Exchange. She goes from Team Tibco Silicon Valley Bank, where she's been doing amazing stuff. So again, really excited to see what she does. And we've had the route for the Tour de France fam. Can we, can we sort of lay down this rule that we're calling it the Tour de France femme. I've heard so many people calling it the Tour de France femmes and it's really bothering me. (laughs) Or is that just me being a bit... I have no idea
3: what it's called. And to be honest, I don't really care because (laughs) I think... Whether you call it the Women's Tour de France, femme, femme, feminine, whatever, it is the Tour de France for the women. And who cares what you want to call it, as long as you're talking about it. It's all I care. Amen, sister.
2: Let's go with that. Let's go with that. The Tour de France for the, for the ladies has been revealed with the eight-stage race starting in Paris on July the 24th, finishes on the 31st. And it finishes up La Planche des Belles Filles, which I'm so excited about. We'll be talking about this a little bit later, but just um, some headlines from the route. It will be 1029 kilometers in all. It includes back-to-back mountain stages, two stages for the punchers, a stage with gravel, and four flat stages that could either end in bunch sprints or breakaway wins. No time trial. But arguably it doesn't need it. It's got um so much um in the round as it is, and it has the largest prize fund in women's racing, with a winner taking fifty thousand euros and a prize pot of two hundred and fifty thousand. Ride London used to be the richest race. That was last held in twenty nineteen, and it did have a pot of one hundred thousand with a winning prize of twenty-five thousand. That doesn't make sense. Uh oh. No, back. it does
3: make sense. Oh, maybe oh, I sorry, wasn't really no, listening, oh, sorry, it but does, it Ride does. London is back. <laughs> yes,
2: I know. I'm coming to that. Um, sorry. No, you're quite all right. Um, yeah, I was reading that the wrong... In my head, I wrote it, read it the wrong way around. It's been such a long day. My, may I excuse myself and my gibberishness? I've been up since 4.30, and it's now 9.30 nearly. But anyway, yes, it has a pot of 100,000 and a winning prize of 25,000. That was just for a one-day race, but... Um, it is back from next year as a three-day women's world tour event. Ride London. That'll start on the 29th of May. So that is exciting. And um, that's it. I think that's your news roundup. Unless I've forgotten anything.
1: Well, you have forgotten one thing, it. or a lot. You may uh, may have come. It may have come too late. But it was announced today that EF will be the new co-title sponsor of Team Tibco Silicon Valley Bank. And they're applying, I think we knew already they were applying for world tour status. Um, but EF, rumoured for a couple of years to be getting involved in women's cycling, are finally taking the plunge. And they will be co-sponsoring that team from next year.
3: And then one final thing, which perhaps Richard didn't pick up on because I think at this point he was reading his book. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that, Orla. Um, oh, yeah. But you said that Ale said that they what would. <laughs> was one of his own books? What
1: telltale. You're not, you're, not, you're not coming back.
2: <laughs> was it, was uh, it the dirtiest that place in history? Ale
3: said they would stay in cycling, but Ale have been announced as the new kit outfitter for um, Team Bike
2: Exchange. There we go. I think we've completed the news roundup. Done. Box ticked.
0: Still guessing on fueling? Not sure what or when to eat or drink on rides that matter? Never again. Optimise your fueling strategy with real-time glucose data, actionable insights and personalised analytics. We're here to help you achieve your performance goals. Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success.
1: Thank you very much indeed to Super Sapiens, our title sponsor. We're very grateful to them for their support uh, of all the cycling podcast shows, including the cycling podcast Femina, Super Sapiens for continuous glucose monitoring. Um, If you are an athlete or a coach, it can help you um, manage your fueling better, learn more about optimal feeling and uh, get more out of your rides go to supersapiens.com if you'd like some more information now lizzie you went to the national road race championships in the uk recently in lincoln over the the classic uh, circuit in lincoln with the cobbled climb of the michael gate and collected some interviews for us Uh, let's hear from some of them now we're going to hear from the the podium in the women's race so let's just let's just hear from them now
4: We knew that there were like, riders that were going to be really hard to beat today. So we were going to have to just play with the numbers that we had. So to have that break of 12 with four of us in was, yeah, was perfect. And um, but yeah, I meant we could play at the end. And yeah, I didn't really, I mean, I didn't quite have it on the, the climb at the end. Did it needed a bit, a bit longer, but I'm quite happy with third. I think that the, the team
3: should be pleased with that. And so what was the plan for you? Were you waiting for the climb on the end or were you hoping to get away solo? Because you kept sending riders off the front and I wondered if you do a dummy attack and then you would then uh, <laughs> counter, but actually had April Tacey off the front. Yeah, almost at the finish and she almost made it, which caught on the climb. So what yeah. was the main plan for you? Um, it was an interesting one. So we
4: didn't really specifically say that we were riding for me and that like that was our plan. Like we sort of knew that if it came down to a, a, a fight at the, the finish, then I'd probably be the, the best person to. To battle it out, but actually, we wanted to just play with numbers, and any one of us that could get away and like fight for the win, we were prepared to defend that. We didn't actually care today who who won as long as or who got a podium as long as we had the number up on the podium, and then kind of having that mentality meant that it would kind of work quite well as a team, really.
3: Yeah, yeah well, congratulations on your third place, and um, yeah, I mean, it was a great race to watch. It was an incredible, it was so atmosphere. fun. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been, ever enjoyed
4: a race in the rain so much. But it, I guess it was because I honestly felt like I was just on a nice day out with my mates because all of those girls I'm really pretty good friends with. In second place, winner of the silver
3: medal, Josie Elton of Josie, no quick word. What a phenomenal <laughs> ride. You must be so proud of your effort today. Yeah,
4: yeah. I don't really know what to say.
3: <laughs> I mean, what did you expect
4: coming into this? Um, I'm not really sure. Like, I've done a lot of cobbled climbs in Belgium, so I'm not shy of that.
5: Um, and then...
3: As soon as uh, there was a break of about 12
4: of us, I thought,
3: worst I could come is 12. (laughs) But to get on the podium with those riders out there today, you must be so proud. Yeah, yeah, especially as they're all World Tour riders.
0: (laughs) And in first place, your 2021 Women's National Railway Champion, Michael Georgie from TDSM.
3: happened i have no idea yeah. i honestly can't believe it what an incredible race oh that was yeah our group went on the first lap and then it was uh oh. i raced lincoln here before and i knew yeah this time kind of suits me the one minute thing oh my god but i can't speak i don't know i mean you were so strong all race but you're in the group with defending champion alice barnes newly crowned time trial champion anna henderson you know all half of drops, but yeah. you, you did it. I mean, you must oh, be on top of the world. Yeah, I honestly can't believe it. I didn't think, if it came with the group to the last time, I didn't think I would win. So I tried to attack two laps to go, but then, yeah, I got a gap on my own, and I started to believe that I could do it. And to have your dad here on the finish line as well. How special is that? Yeah, that's very
4: special. And uh, thank
3: you.
6: Yeah. Congratulations. So, thank so. Thank you. Really enjoy this moment. Thank you very much.
1: Well, Lizzie, um, we'll go on to talk about Duranta as well, which saw a very strong performance from Team DSM, but Pfeiffer Georgie was the winner of the Women's Road Race, and she's come into some great kind of late-season form, hasn't she? Um, Really, that, that team is performing well, has performed well at the end of the year, but she has started to deliver on the potential that everybody has said for a couple of years that she's had.
3: Yeah, I think that isn't just, you know, the fact that it's taken her time to get to this point. I think maybe what people don't see from the outside is that there have been other things going on. She had a crash and a concussion, unfortunately, and then the year after that she came back and then she had an injury and, you know... Pfeiffer's performances this year leading up to her win in the national championships and then an exceptional performance for her team at Drenta were just the culmination of having, you know, an undisrupted season. And Richard, if you were listening to, you know, if you were listening really carefully to those podcasts at the women's stage... Which stage was it that I spoke to Pfeiffer's dad? Can you remember? which I can't
1: stage remember. It was?
3: Well, it was on the final stage. It was on the final stage. I spoke to Pfeiffer's dad, and um, you know, we said, "What about the what about the national championships?" Because she was looking so strong there, and it was clearly a course that was going to suit her. So, yeah, it, it's great to see, you know, a junior talent giving being given that kind of longer contract opportunity, no pressure, uh, and then developing into well. I think she's going to be a superstar. You know, she's already going into next season in the classics. She's going to take so much confidence from the end of her season this year, wearing the stripes. Um, but having those longer contracts, having the money to be able to, you know, pay for things like sports massage, all the other things that go along with trying to actually be a professional athlete um, is so important and and we're seeing the benefit of that. So here. I always
2: think it must be so difficult if you're one of these riders who's who's heralded from such a young age and and as you say lizzie she's been touted as the next big thing for a couple of years and she was signed with, while she was still doing her a levels and she was riding professionally as well as studying and i just feel like it must be so difficult psychologically to manage that to balance that pressure that you put on yourself never mind any pressure from anyone else and knowing how much potential you have and wanting to demonstrate those results straight away. And I guess it's a bit like you this year, Lizzie, having to slow yourself down with concussion, with injury, and and just keep a lid on that ambition, but still be training at the same time. And I just think that when you then deliver on those results, it must be so satisfying. And you must realise just how much you've learned from the hard times of the last couple of years and make you realise that actually, it's a difficulty that has probably gotten you to where you are. Definitely. I mean... It- Going through adversity makes success so much sweeter.
3: But having said that, I think it's so much... You know, this year has been absolutely horrendous. Don't get me wrong, but it's easier for someone like me who's 30. I have a bit more perspective Mm. on life. Um, You know, I I didn't come up through the junior ranks and I wasn't, you know, winning world championships left, right and centre on the track. And when you are a youth and a junior, often... You know, there are a lot of very talented people there, but a lot of it is about who matures Mm. fastest. And so you might find yourself winning time and time and time again, and you're a very big fish in really not that very big pond. And suddenly you get catapulted into the absolute top level and the races are just brutal and over the last few years the mm. races have got harder and harder and every race is a fight there are so many more women that can win you know i think was it like the first five world tour races this year or something was won by a different team like we we just didn't mm. see that a few years ago it was just balls every year um but that makes it so difficult for these juniors coming through when they've won and won and won and suddenly they're getting their heads kicked in. They're not even finishing races. And because we don't have um, the U23 races and not even that, we don't have a U23 World Championships. And now the UCI have said that they're going to put a U23 World Championships inside the elite women's race at the 2022 World Championships, which I'm sorry <laughs> is not a fair race. Neve Fisher-Black um, did an incredible post on uh, on Twitter about it and just said go home and come back when you can give us a proper race because what we deserve. and it doesn't make sense and these younger riders need that platform because we lose mm-hmm. so many young riders i mean there's been a lot of retirements that we've seen surprise retirements um emma white the u.s rider for one um a lot of others as well recently. And I just think that the pressure on these athletes is so great and it's so difficult coming straight into that, <laughs> you know, from from junior racing straight into world tour racing. It's, it's really tough.
1: Yeah, Pfeiffer George is still only 21 um, and she went from the Nationals to uh, Ronda van Drenthe, which was the last Women's World Tour race of the year. Had her, her new National Champions jersey on, uh, there um, and and rode very well as part of a, a strong DSM team. Um, Lorena Vibas, who obviously was very good at the women's tour as well, she's still only 22 and she's coped with quite a lot of adversity this last year or so because she uh, is obviously a huge, huge talent um, but she's had some really nasty crashes this year um, and has come again come good at the end of the season uh, been very strong and uh, really, uh, an impressive team performance there. And it's it's what you mentioned earlier, Lizzie, about the you know different riders winning different races and and different teams showing well at different points in the year, and Team DSM probably quite quite a disappointing season overall. Certainly in the first part, and um, but they really they really did come good there. And uh, you know there was a moment in the race uh, where Scotland's Flirty Mackay was up the road in a a three three rider break um, and the decision was made for her is that the one that you got dropped from? <laughs> the, the, no, no, no. The, I'm very good on a three-rider break. The, 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 the decision was made. You lost was me made. there for a second, Lizzie. I was like, have I missed what? <laughs> You weren't. Oh, you've you got to pay attention. You've got to pay attention. The, uh, I, was actually, the decision... I was
2: distracted because every time Richard said Scotland's flirting Mackay, every time I think, <laughs> when is he going to drop that joke, though? When's he going to stop?
5: <laughs>
1: it's not a joke.
2: Um, <laughs> I mean Anna Van is going to say <laughs> well, well yeah,
1: that,
2: the rest of my life but should do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Flirty Mackay um, was in that break the decision was made for her to stop working in that group and uh, you know they, they had all their their eggs in the Lorena Vibas basket um, which still was a bit of a gamble because there were one or two other fast finishes there Elena Cecchini um, you know was also given a kind of free ride to the finish as a result of the work that Team DSM were doing as we said Lorena Vibas you know she is a sprinter but it was not a not a pure sprinters race it's a tough race um and she obviously riding extremely well to get over the climb and still being there in a pretty small group at the finish to win uh, win so a very impressive ride by her and her team in that race
2: yeah incredible with, with DSM I mean such a Level of teamwork and and to deliver it in a way that they had. My internet isn't very good at this hotel, so I'm doing this off memory. Did they have four, five riders in the top ten? Five For a team to five, <laughs> half of the top ten made up of DSM. And usually, when we see a team working so well together, they're spent by the time you get to the finish line, and so they'll they'll do well to finish in the top twenty. It was just really phenomenal. Um, I got the chance to catch up with Suzanne Anderson, who's leaving that team af- at the end of this year and heading off to Uno X. And Richard, I didn't realise until after I'd spoken to you that she was our first ever peddlers to Charm. So what was that? In she 20- was. 2016? 2018. 2018,
1: 2018. Women's Tour oh. was the first one that we covered with daily coverage. And I can't remember what she won for, but... It was for being interesting.
2: charming, I would suspect.
1: Yeah, that might have been it. Uh although we had one or two dubious winners of Peddlers to Charm that week as well, <laughs> if you'll recall. Uh, uh but, but but
3: No, that was the year. Oh, sorry. After. How sorry, much attention sorry, were you paying? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, listeners, he's referring to my win with joint with Corinne Rivera in, That's
1: right. in 2019. That's right. Yeah, yeah. at
2: was He wasn't even that, paying attention that, for the last that, three you know, years. Was, <laughs> I, love, I, I love that that ranks so high in your Palmaris yeah. that you remember which year it comes from. <laughs> that matters. It's good. Yeah. The reason I remember is because I've only <laughs> raced the women's
1: horse oh,
2: and it was burn. also the first time I re-
3: met Richard. And I thought, who on earth is this Scottish guy B- giving brandishing me Brandishing t-shirt? T-shirts. So I thought I'd better Awarding look at
1: that. Awarding T-shirts. <laughs> well, Suzanne Anderson was similarly <laughs> bemused, but also um, very pleased. And she got a little round of applause from her high-tech team after accepting the, the T-shirt, which could, in her case, have doubled as a bed sheet. Um, but <laughs> never mind uh, uh, it was uh, yeah so she was our first ever Pedalist de charm, and she has she's matured pretty well hasn't she um, she leaves DSM as a sort of almost a finished article and, and will be a very important rider for Uno X well shall we hear from her now Orla you caught up with her earlier today let's hear what she had to say
2: Suzanne I will start by saying congratulations on your top 10 at Drenta finished in 8th there how was that race for you
5: yeah thank you. Um, I think it was a really great race by the by the whole team. Um, we had a good plan coming into the race. Um, I think also we've seen in the past that even late in the season like we're all really motivated and still in such a good shape and always yeah ready to hit it. so we had a good plan about how we wanted to race and I think yeah, we just really executed our plan and uh, I think we really showed that we were the, both the strongest team and had the strongest uh, riders on the day. Mm. So it was just incredible uh, being a part of it. Like it gives such a good feeling. And then ending the season also in this way and my time with the team as well in this mm. way, it was just, yeah, just incredible leaving it like this.
2: And it's all changed for you next year. You've been with Sunweb, as they were, and then DSM since 2019. Off you go, though, going home, I guess, to a certain extent, your (laughs) spiritual home. What's prompted this move, Suzanne? Well,
5: I think, yeah, I've had three really great years now at DSM and I've learned really so much and I've really enjoyed my time in the team. So it was really strange now also leaving and, yeah, quite... Quite a lot of emotions as well and yeah we're also gonna miss cypher a lot i think <laughs> we really bonded now over these over these three years and she's such a great teammate and it was yeah so cool now watching her grow as well as uh, a writer herself this year but i think for me it was also like time for for something else and then yeah you know it's, we're coming along and yeah they're really so passionate and yeah passionate group of people and they really were really excited uh, for having me and the team as well and yeah it was just quite tempting you know moving there I think it will also bring a lot of opportunities for me personally and then also joining their journey you know as a new team and as a uh, Norwegian professional team I think and hope it will do a lot also for a Norwegian cycling mm. so it's just yeah going to be really exciting I think um, joining
2: you mentioned the opportunities that you're hoping to get within the team. I'm presuming you'll be their main sprint option for the next couple of seasons. How do you feel about that?
5: Well, it will be um, quite different from <laughs> yeah what I've been doing now, uh, being mostly in the lead out. So for sure, mentally, it will be um, yeah quite quite different, and I will have to get used to that as well. But I think yeah, I have quite some knowledge also from before I was in in DSM but also just from doing the leadouts for Lorena I feel I know my way around the sprints and then I think it will be really hard beating Lorena because you know how fast she is (laughs) Um, you know from
2: the inside
1: (laughs) yeah
5: exactly Uh, (laughs) but at least I hope even if it's if it is in like mass sprints or in reduced bunch sprints, I think in reduced bunch sprints that may, that is maybe more more my strength. And then I hope to um, continue developing also as a classics rider so that I can really race in those races early in the year.
2: I want to ask you about the team because um, it's caused quite a bit of a stir, really, and it's and it's interesting and exciting to see from the outside and. I think maybe one of the um, most newsworthy lines that's come out of the team so far has been their reaction to your new teammate Eleanor Barker's announcement that she is going to have a baby, that she's signed with the team, but she'll take a year, I guess, um, to have her baby first. What did you make of their reaction to that? And and how do you feel about joining a team that's obviously so supportive of a a rider's whole life choices and not just their
5: career? Well, obviously it's really great. I also think it shows just the way the teams now are also moving and how mm-hmm. it's becoming, I think, more normal. Like, I feel you also had Lizzie Diamond showing that you can have a baby and then come back to really high level. And there's also many other athletes that shown this before. So it should also be um, obvious that, yeah, they can let her have a year off or how much time she needs and then yeah just be really patient then to come back as well So i think it's just really great and it also just shows how professional and yeah which way they also want to push women's cycling i think
2: and yeah inspiring you know that they show so much support already yeah it's really encouraging as a sign i guess of where we are in women's cycling but really um full credit to the team because it's it's very much a team decision um What about the team as a whole then? Because Lizzie Banks was telling me that the management have spent over a year working on this project. It seems like a very well organised, a very professional outfit. It's clearly one of the most progressive teams in the women's peloton. What do you know? What can you tell us about the team behind the team and their ambitions and their professionalism, even though it's not yet a women's world tour outfit?
5: Yeah, I think yeah, like Lizzie said, they already started a long time ago, and Lars, Lars Bach has been working for a long time. Also, just learning women's cycling because yeah, he's coming from from men's cycling, mm-hmm. so he's been spending a lot of time. Um, I think watching races and coming to races already. Um, yeah, finding the perfect how do you say the perfect group of or a good group of riders, you know, to start with, and. and it's probably also been quite challenging for them because yeah it is a completely new team i think it helped a lot that they already had the had the men's team and um everybody could see how well they were riding and how professional um they were doing everything so that probably helped a little bit but i can imagine it was yeah quite challenging um speaking um to a bunch of riders that will probably be a bit unsure um How exactly it will be um but yeah he's really just so passionate and also Jens is so passionate and they're um just giving so much motivation I would say to to us riders and already even if we we didn't meet yet but we're having um having the kickoff now now this weekend um I feel like we're already like becoming this group even though we didn't meet yet um so yeah, I think they did a really good job putting the group together also with the mechanics and the soigners and everybody else around. So yeah, I think we will all be such a, such a great team. Chute, chute à
1: l'arrière du peloton. Cycling podcast team car at the back of the pack, please.
6: That's Seb Piquet, the voice of Radio Tour. And this is Lionel Burney interrupting the Cycling Podcast Feminine very briefly to tell you that this episode is sponsored by Noom. When I signed up for the Noom app in mid-September, I did so with a healthy degree of skepticism, it has to be said, and I thought that it was a dieting app, but in the past couple of months I've realized it's actually a psychology app, and over that time it has subtly but significantly changed my attitude and my thought processes when it comes to eating and exercising. I stepped on the scales in mid-September and they told me I was 90.4 kilograms. That's 14 stone 3 pounds, which is just too much for me. And what I realized was that cycling was not going to be the get out of jail free card that I thought it was, because I think really I was using the fact that I was cycling to justify having larger portions at mealtimes. And so I wasn't going to lose weight without a bit of help. And Noom has been that help very effectively. It's been almost like a, a coach, a dietitian, a nutritionist in my pocket. And I've followed it from morning to night every day since. I weigh in in the morning, I log every meal and snack that I eat, and I follow the little lessons which take about 10 minutes a day, which give you a little bit of a deeper understanding of the psychology behind why we eat, and what we eat, and when we eat. And as I say, I have changed a lot of my habits, habits that I didn't really know I had. I'm not going to lie, the early days were tricky-ish, as my body was adapting to eating lower calories and, and changing some of the foods that I was eating. I did get a bit hangry, but after a few days, I adapted quite quickly, and I realised that there are some things you can do to fill up without actually eating a lot of uh, fatty or carbohydrate-heavy foods when you don't need them. So it's been very effective for me, and in two months, I've lost 13.3 kilograms That is over two stone, or 29 pounds, so I'm now weighing in at 77.1 kilos, 12 stone, one pound, and I can see my target weight um, maybe a week or two in the distance, and then I'll carry on using the new map just to uh, keep everything even. The one thing about it is that I haven't been denying myself the things I like. I went to the cyclocross at the weekend in Belgium and in the evening I had a couple of beers and the following day at the cross I had fruits and mayo and I enjoyed them all but with a relative sense of um, moderation I suppose and knowing that over the next few days I would just redress the balance slightly. I've been feeling better on the bike and I'm running five kilometers quicker than any time since I was a teenager. So the results are really speaking to me. And if that sounds like something you want to try, sign up for a trial at noom.com cycle. That's n-o-o-m mcom cycle.
0: The cycling podcast Femina is supported by Science in Sport. Science in Sport, fueled by science.
1: Thank you very much indeed to Science & Sport for their support of the Cycling Podcast, Cycling Podcast Femina and all other iterations of the Cycling Podcast. Very grateful to them for their support. If you'd like 25% off all your Science & Sport products, you know where to go. Scienceandsport.com and enter the code SISCP25, SISCP25. If you listen to the regular podcast, Lionel has been doing some Science & Sport taste tests, so... He's got lots of their products lined up to see him through the winter months. It's kind of like a like a squirrel uh, hibernating and gathering all his science support products in the tree and nibbling them one by one. Very a very a kind of not ideal hibernation food. It has to be said. You know, <laughs> that's when you should be resting. Um, if we hear a cat uh, meowing, that is we'll be not that's not me. It's not me. It's not, me. It's not Orla. Uh, it's not Lizzie. It could be Marcus or it could be Delia. You've got two cats there, Lizzie.
3: Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. that. Well, the thing is, they are so excited to talk about Paris Roubaix. Don't apologise.
1: Paris Roubaix. Well, I, I mean, it, it does seem a while ago. It was a while ago, Paris Roubaix. And we we talked about it in the regular podcast. I'm sure you talked about it a bit in the women's tour episodes as we well. About it in I know you course, did because I listened. Course. I listen to them. You talked about it in service of course. I I listen to all this stuff, Lizzie. You can't catch <laughs> me out. I do I listen to every... I've listened to every episode Cycling Podcast has ever produced, apart from one. <gasps> and I'm not gonna tell you.
2: Oh which one. if that's one of mine, I'm
1: it's okay, not and the reasons for mean. not listening to it is because the subject <laughs> terrifies me so much. Um but anyway. That's uh, oh. if you guess correctly, listeners. Um, you can win a um casket. There we go. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a very maybe it's introducing very lim- limited. No, it's not that one. That's a brilliant episode. <laughs> Good plug. Good plug. Sign up as a friend of the podcast uh, for for that one. We should do an introducing Lizzie Banks one as well at some point because we've done introducing Orla. So we're going to do introducing Lizzie uh, the life story because yeah, it's oh, you definitely it's might be interesting oh yeah i will oh i will um maybe <laughs> we'll get orla to do the interview maybe ask orla to do the interview sorry not get her to do the interview Pyru bay though um we were all in different places for that i was there um by the side of the road orla you were in a tv studio lizzie i imagine you were watching that yeah with
3: i was in the car actually. a great deal of
1: interest and, and envy perhaps as well
3: um- No, no, actually, because I had been cleared medically from my concussion on the 1st of October and Paris-Roubaix was on the 2nd of October. And I, of course, would have loved to have raced, but to race there and to not be fit is not something I want to do. I don't want to race and, you know, try and get round. I want to race and race at the front and attack and, you know, do the best job for my team. And so... It, yeah of course it was a little bit of sweet but really I was just so wrapped up in the moment of what was happening and uh, just well really quite irritated that we couldn't watch the first um 50 kilometers of the race was it all um but then so absolutely captivated and I was in the car driving home and then uh, I wasn't driving, needless to say um
2: <laughs> my
3: husband was driving and you know,
2: I was going to say being driven.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I I was kind of double commentating to tell him exactly what was going on and who was where and what. You know, I'm so good at spotting the riders in the bunch and exactly what was happening. Um, And yeah, last 20 kilometers, we pulled over and uh, both of us were just I mean, I don't know if both of us were in floods of tears. I was in floods of tears. It was just so emotional. And I've never seen a response on social media to that race Like I have with anything else You know, you'd look on the cycling news sites And every single article was about paris Bay, And not because it was forced Not because it was We're going to do this for International Women's Day Because it was so I really want to swear Good <laughs> And uh, like, it, it was just electric It was captivating And I can't imagine what it must have been like Being there, Richard Or commentating on, on you know on it from the studio Orla
1: it was, well, I'll just jump in quickly because it was, uh, it, you know, it, it felt historic. We were at the start in Dina and speaking to some of the riders, there was a lot of of, of nervousness. You know, Audrey Cordon rigaud uh, is somebody who for whom this race meant an awful lot. And, um, you know, she's been, I suppose, at the, the vanguard of the fight in France for recognition. I mean, it's only, I think, this year that they got professional licenses for the first time. So... Or was it last year? Sorry, I've I've lost track. I think it was last year. But um, you know, she's been involved in the in 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 lots of things in France. So To have this race, this crown jewel of uh, you know the French classics, finally have a women's edition. It was uh, it did feel historic, you know, and 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 it felt like a privilege to be there. And then we positioned ourselves on the the first sector of cobbles, and and by by chance we saw the the winning move pretty much go. I mean, Lionel was at the entrance to cobbles. I was about. 500 600 meters further on so he saw lizzie dagnan attack and i saw her having just got the gap and 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 what you know when we look back on that when i look back on that now it acquires so much more significance because you realize that you were there and you saw something happen that nobody else actually saw because there wasn't tv coverage at the time and i think as time goes on after that race um the the magnitude, the enormity of Lizzie Diamond's performance on that day becomes more apparent. Um, I think on the day itself, the, the story of just the race happening sort of overwhelmed everything in a way. But the the way that she won it was really phenomenal. And as we go through the years and the race is won in other ways, and I'm sure it won't be won in that way every, every year, it will stand out, I think, as, as one of the great performances because... At the moment, there's nothing to measure it against. You know, it, it, it's without precedent. Um, but in 10 years, it could still be without precedent in a way. Um, so a, a, an appropriate sort of first edition because the, the, the race itself was historic, but the performance was historic too. And yeah, a huge success. I mean, I don't mind admitting that the day before Pyro Bay, having ridden these sets of cobbles myself, um, clattered over them. I expressed some misgivings to you, Orla. We we exchanged some messages about it because I just I, I just looked at I, I was using the men's race as my blueprint, you know, that the typically, you know, the heavy the the lightest rider to win Pirate Bay I think it's Philip Gilbert, 69 kilos. And and the, the the received wisdom, and it's based on a hundred plus years of history, is that, you know, heavier riders can cope with the cobbles and lighter riders can, don't cope with the cobbles so well. And I looked at the women's peloton, who were all there. The the climbers were there, you know. The the fifty kilo and lighter riders were there. And I just thought, this is a monumental challenge. How you know these cobbles are really really hard. Um, what are we going to see? Is it going to be carnage? Is is the race just going to break into pieces on the first sector cobbles? And it and I and I I don't mind admitting that I, I underestimated the the riders because the race didn't break into pieces where I was standing halfway through that first sector the the riders flew across and didn't have any real problems coping with the technical aspect of riding on the cobbles so yeah a, a huge um it was a huge day and uh it was a privilege to be there and to witness that
2: i think all of that just really added though to the tension and the drama because we had no idea how the peloton was going to handle it the riders had no idea how they were going to handle it and, and the excitement that we felt on that day. I get really emotional, actually, just thinking about it. Not just because it was the race. It felt, I think maybe for the first time since I have started covering women's cycling, that it properly mattered, that it actually meant something, that it was a marker of progress and that we all were standing shoulder to shoulder and marking that. And I feel like it was a really, really beautiful day. And I was saying to you both before we were recording that... Uh, for me it was i this is my 3rd year with eurosport and of all the days that i've not been at a race because it's always a different atmosphere it's by far my the standout race for me of the last few years that i've had the privilege to cover and when you're in studio day after day with with lots of usually the same people it's it can be quite difficult and and it's exceptional for people to be genuinely excited and to raise the energy constantly. From the moment I walked into the studio that morning and we had Danny Rowe and Magnus Backstead, from that moment, the level of excitement and energy, the fizzing nervous energy in the studio all day was something I will never forget. I feel like I could could cry just thinking about it. We were on our feet practically the whole bloody time and cheering and screaming and... And crying. And when Lizzie crossed the line, you know, if anyone, if you've got a personal connection with a rider, you feel it more deeply. But regardless, it was the way she'd done it. It was what she stands for, what she represents. The fact that it was a rider, I felt like, you know, so many... She, she deserved to have a race, you know, and never mind to win it. And I feel like it's so wonderful to see these riders. The likes of Annemiek van Vleuten, who, you know, said she would never have ridden it if it wasn't the first Pyro Bay. I feel so glad for a generation of riders who fought to to get more recognition, to get better working conditions, to get better pay, that they've managed to have this day in the sun and that the race did it justice and they did it justice. And it was just absolutely incredible. And I'll tell you why it matters as well. Um, so I'm my really good friend Rihanna Ravenscroft is um a, like a kick ass lawyer by day, but she's on the board of the Cyclist Alliance and um she went um and uh, watched the race and just went round different parts of the race. you know. So she was the same. She went and watched the cobble bit. And she was actually with um, Iris Slappendale's boyfriend and um, Ellen Van Dyke's boyfriend. And the three of them all went round the different parts of the race together and managed to make it to the to the um, velodrome at the end. And I was riding my daughter to school a few days later and we waved at Rhian, um on the school run. And I was telling my daughter what she'd been up to at the weekend and telling her about Pyro Bay and this exciting day that... That her, that my daughter's mummy, uh, my daughter's friends' mummy had had in France, and why it mattered so much, and been able to tell the story in that human-accessible way, was just—it felt important to me to be able to make that come alive to my daughter. That wasn't just here's some race results, you know. And if you're really interested in it, I'll choose some more race results. We have stories now around races that matter. And we build on that. And that is where you get a generation of people, whether they become riders or not, who really cares, but they buy into the sport, they buy into the narrative, they understand where the history comes from. Um, And it just felt so significant and so, so beautiful. And I'm just deeply grateful that we had a day of racing like it.
3: Lizzie Dagnan's words at the end as well were just so beautiful. And I think in, in that respect, we couldn't have had a better winner. Because the the way yes, yes the way that she articulated the win and I'll just mm-hmm. say what she said mm-hmm. word for word I raced today with the power of generations of women who were denied the opportunity to battle for this moment and with my daughter in my heart who I hope will never face the same barriers they had to. I mean, yeah. I, honestly, I mean, I was just yeah. I, I mean, flux, how does that but, not make you cry? But, you know, having <laughs> a real you know, hero, a heroine like that, crossing the line. Uh, and those words which will hang on walls oh, a, oh, and oh. make young girls believe that they can they can be like their heroes and they yeah, can do it yeah. too. And it's just, you know, I, I think Lizzie dagden has been in the sport for a mm. long time and she really has come through a completely different scene to what I've come through. But I, I came into the sport you know, 2018 was my first professional year. We talked about this at the women's tour, but um, I never, I left medical school and I was asked if I, I would be able to support myself and, you know, pay my way. And I said, no, I won't. And I thought, well, maybe if I get to the place where Liz- Lizzie Dyden is, then I'll be able to to actually, you know, have enough money to support my family. But actually in, in three years, three, four years, I, I could never have imagined that we would be in this, Place that we're in now uh, and you know more teams are coming in it's almost like every day we hear there's a new new women's team um unox a brand new women's team ef education first have just partnered <laughs> up with Tibco. you know um uae you're taking over LA like everybody wants to buy in now because it's so exciting and and it's just growing and growing and it's just it's just brilliant it's just
1: brilliant indeed and actually something I didn't mention earlier ef um mm are matching the the men's minimum salaries uh for the women's team which is also great news and something that one or two the other teams have done as well um i guess the one you'll be you'll be anxious i imagine though to ride next year lizzie in the pirate bay which will unfortunately i think be on the same day as the men's race they're they're putting them on the same day next you know, year
3: the, the reason this year that they were on different days was so that the women um were able to get to the women's tour because the women's tour would have originally been the day afterwards so they pushed the women's Paris-Roubaix forward a day in order to allow the peloton arrest day to get over to the United Kingdom because you know as you're saying Richard we don't have enough riders to have double programs at two of the best races in the world so the riders have to do both um and having had that separate day it was great and I I I kind of think like it's almost better for everybody because you get more tv ratings because you've got a full day Mm -hmm. of tv ratings for the women and a full day of tv ratings for the men you've got more stories because you've got a full day of women's stories and a full day of men's stories more time to absorb the women's race let it sink in and I wonder if actually having them on the same day will take Mm -hmm. some of that away
2: um, I think it will. I think it will. And and, and I tell you, when you're, when you're covering these events from a studio and you're trying to get so many storylines and so many narratives covered, um, that's what's amazing. If the women's race is on a separate day, you can give it the full airtime that it deserves. If it's not... Um, at the very very best you're still having to share it with the men's race but generally what happens is the men's race dominates and it dominates the headlines and it's the same in print and um, across all kinds of broadcasts so you, even if you were even if you were to schedule it's so that you could watch both races in full which would be a step up for the women's race from this year um, the narrative around it becomes condensed and compressed in a different way so I I think Separate day racing is, is the way to do it for me.
1: Chute, uh, chute à l'arrière du peloton, cycling podcast, team car, at the back of the pack, please. That's Seb PK interrupting this month's episode of the cycling podcast Femina with me, Lizzie Banks, and Orla Chenoui to remind us to tell you that it's supported by LinkedIn jobs. Now, if you're a small business owner and you're looking to employ somebody, it can seem quite daunting, not to mention time consuming. And this is where LinkedIn jobs can be absolutely invaluable especially if you're looking for someone with very specific skills or experiences. We know this ourselves, having used LinkedIn Jobs to find a Spanish-speaking audio producer for our sister podcast, El Cycling Podcast. Having been scratching our heads wondering how on earth we would find the right person, suddenly, having posted on LinkedIn Jobs, we had over 50 applicants and more than 15 really strong candidates. We eventually settled on one who... Almost 20 episodes into L Cycling Podcast continues to do a great job. And in fact, such has been the success of L Cycling Podcast that we are looking for a second producer, which has been going back to those candidates. And um, they're still on file LinkedIn jobs, getting in touch and finding out if any of them are still looking for a role as a producer on our Spanish language podcast. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network with over 30 million people in the UK. Focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience and use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified. Then use the simple tools on LinkedIn jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leaving competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. And you can post a job for free. Just visit linkedin.com slash cycle. Again, that's linkedin.com slash cycle to post a job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And if I can just segue neatly to the Tour de France fam, because ASO, who organized that as well, seemed to understand that with the Tour de France fam. It's not so much that they understand it. It's a, a logistics and a practical question as well that this race this new women's tour de france will not run concurrently with the men's race but it will it will it will carry on for a week after the men's race which i ever since i heard about this plan i thought was a great idea and a really just just what cycling fans need actually after the tour de france is more bike racing um something and something new to to watch and i think you know, especially having witnessed the the the, the buzz around paris Bay, I think it's going to be similar uh, for the Tour de France fam uh, next year, I really do. Just before we go on to the route for, for the eight-day race, just I, I just want to touch on the history of uh, Tour de France for women. It, we, we know something about more recent history editions that have been won by Emma Pooley, Nicole Cook and others, but... Um, One that I know a lot about is the 1984 race, the first Tour de France Femina, um, which was won by Marion Martin, uh, an American rider. It was missing a lot of the big stars at the time because the Olympic Games road race were following just after. and A lot of riders couldn't really do both, but it was championed by Felix Levita, director of the Tour de France, um, who was very ambitious for a women's tour de france the first edition 18 stages there were um but none more than 80 kilometers long they all took place on the final part of the men's race and the men's stages in those days used to be a lot longer um so it meant quite long transfers for the women they i interviewed maria martin a few years ago 26 year old from michigan she said they spent A lot of time in cars, you know, being driven uh, from one part of France to another. There was also one day, she said she was at the finish of a stage where she bumped into an American photographer who she happened to to know. She is actually a photographer now who um, asked her what she was doing there. And she said, I'm riding the Tour de France Femina. And he didn't even know it was on. So I think we get a sense there of the the sort of um, status and profile it had. It did, it did run for a few years. And one of the best things about it from a, the point of view of just, um, uh, you know, letting people know it was on was that the podium in, in Paris, the women shared the podium with the men. So these iconic images on the Champs-Élysées were always quite powerful because you would see Jenny Long or Maria Cannon standing with, you know, Greg LeMond or... <clears throat> whoever happened to win the Tour de France. Um, but another race I didn't know about um, until I read a piece in Velo News about um, Marion Reuss, uh was the 1955 Tour de France Féminine. Um And I should have known about it because there's a chapter about it, or about the winner of that race, in Isabel Best's really good book. We had an interview with Isabel Best when her book came out, Queens of Pain. It's called Legends and Rebels of Cycling. <clears throat> There's a chapter in there on Millie Robinson, an Irish woman she was born in Ireland, moved to Isle of Man when she was 10, one of nine nine kids, and she went over with a British team to that first Tour de France feminine. It was the only edition of that race, and she won it. Um 1955, it was organized by a, a journalist journalist,
2: Irish woman, won the women's Tour de France.
1: Yeah, she was well she was born in oh. Ireland, moved to Isle of Man when she was She's 10, yeah, that yeah, makes her totally Irish. Yeah, she, she, is Irish, but she, she is Irish, but she <laughs> seems to have been claimed as British as well, which is obviously very controversial.
2: Of course she was, because she, she won.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Won <laughs> fascinating, fascinating character. I mean, she, you know, obviously, a very good rider a pioneer she she was a truck driver for a while her brother ran a a, a lorry <laughs> company she was a truck driver she a worked lover. in she worked She's in definitely lo- Irish, she is. worked in the rally factory she became friendly with reg harris you mentioned earlier um joss loudon's our records she went for the our record in milan um and you know you mentioned that the distance that joss loudon covered very impressive but her mark was really really impressive she She rode 39.719 kilometres on the 25th of September, 1958. Um, Incredible, really, when you think about it. Um, So a real, yeah, somebody I didn't know a lot about. And she died in 1994. Um, She didn't marry, she didn't have children. She's remembered fondly, writes Isabel Best, by her two nephews, Roger and Kevin christian they've got lots of scrapbooks cuttings and trophies so just somebody i didn't know an awful lot about millie robinson but uh, a, a, another fascinating chapter in that book queens of pain um so but next year we have a, com- a completely different prospect i think with the tour de france fam with zwift who are you know important in this as well i think in this story marion roos as the director is another important appointment you know it was interesting the tour de france presentation how much prominence they gave this event and how she appeared on stage with christian prudhomme to talk through the first route you know the signs are all very encouraging are they not that this race is going to be given the the support of aso which is is going to be so important in just establishing it and in keeping it going
3: i think the most important thing when you you want to make something successful is to have the right amount of hype. And we had that for paris Bay because mm-hmm. we have 120 years of history of the men's racing. Um, and what we had at the presentation of uh, the Women's Tour de France, Tour de France Femme, Tour de France Femme, Tour de France Feminine. I don't really care. <laughs> but what we had at that presentation <laughs> was it was an equal stage, it was an electric atmosphere. Um, and we had brilliant advocates for our race, Mark Cavendish, Julianne Philippe. And, and you know, that is what we need. We have that hype from October, the year before, and we have all of that time to build up. And I completely agree with you, Richard, about that void after the Tour de France. You know, usually when you're a bike racer, you're so absorbed in the bike racing that you don't have much time to watch the races and to notice when there's holes and there's not things to watch. But this year... You know, I was just starting to watch TV again and it was the Tour de France that kind of got my TV rehab back up to scratch. And obviously I got addicted and it finished and I thought, oh, what now? You know, Um, and Mm. it's going to finish and then everybody's going to latch on to the women's race because we're going to see the first stage on the last stage of the men's. And everybody who's already invested in the Tour de France who maybe wasn't, you know, isn't a a really hardcore cycling fan. Suddenly we're going to get this whole new group of fans learning about these absolute badass women racing the hardest, most famous race in the world, and then Bob's your uncle. Suddenly, suddenly, our sport gets a platform and the voice that it needs. And all it is, all it is, is creating that hype and giving us that voice. And if you give us that voice, we will make a show. Like, I promise you, we will make a show. There's no doubt about it.
2: And that's what I really hope that the platform is what it should be um i don't know how much of a difference it'll make as to who covers this race because as long as we can see it live i think that's going to be the main thing but i know with for example the la course by the tour de france richard we used to comment um that the same articles would come out every year talking about the fact that there wasn't a women's tour de france written by journalists who are at the tour de france but didn't get up early to come and cover la course so the difficulty is still it's not all at the same time but for me for example that's a month on the road away from my kids to make sure that i'm covering it which of course i'm going to do I, i just hope that we get to see the same caliber of coverage around the race and that it's not a case of you know journalist commentators fatigue and uh, the race is left I don't think that's going to happen I don't think it's going to happen and I think that um, there'll be enough people who are excited about covering it You know, certainly the first one anyway um, that it will be given the same platform but that's going to be you the You know what we'll probably well, have better journalists
3: sure because there'll probably be a, a bunch <laughs> of new fresh um, journalists maybe. who are yeah, so yeah, interested yeah, yeah. in female racing and really have the knowledge about women's racing but maybe don't get the opportunities usually, and you know, if the old men who've been covering the Tour de France are tired then they can go on holiday and we can have these brilliant new <laughs> young writers and reporters come and report on our race and we can have a new generation of uh, journalists.
1: I, I don't know yeah, if you're joking, well. Lizzie, but I think that's actually a very, very, very astute observation and a valid point, and I think that that could be well what happens, and the... Um, the
2: Tour de France will become the fuddy-duddies race. Yeah, but I think... <laughs>
1: Uh, You know, I I think ASO will surely be um, looking at what happened with Pirate Bay and and seeing the potential finally because you always feel with their races, well, La Course was the, the worst example of a race that just didn't seem to have the real kind of might of that organization behind it at all and um, it's in their interest for this race to be successful i mean they That's they, a they, they That's they're a, a they're a business and they need to make money they're not they're not putting it on because of pressure on twitter <laughs> they're not putting it, putting it on
3: because it on. they like women cycling <laughs> oh they're God, not put, <laughs> well they're not they're, <laughs> more but, to the point <laughs> i mean this
1: is kind of a positive they're not they're not putting it on because of of, of that pressure at all really they're putting it on because um there's a business case for it and that's the thing that if that is correct and you know you can see from you know what you're saying earlier about the professionalization of women's cycling the teams that are coming in the money that's coming in relative to what it was um it's all pointing the right direction and 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 i think marion roos has spoken about this a lot that that this is not Uh, this is a long-term project and and the key thing is sustainability with it Um, not not to come in make a big splash in in the first edition and fade away which is what the Tour de France Femina kind of did but to be around for the long term I wanted to ask you about the course Lizzie because um I think it's a, a really interesting course we've got a long stage 175 kilometers we've got some dirt roads in champagne we've got this incredible finish I mean La planche de Belfi has become a real favorite of christian Prudhomme's. it's a and it's you know that that's su- his climb super super super, planche super de La planche de Belfi. Or yeah la super so it's got de Belfi. yeah it's French. got the that the, it's got the it's got the dirt <laughs> sector at the top which. A couple of years ago when the riders rode it in the tour, it was absolutely spectacular. And if the race comes down to that moment, to to that, you know, it could come down to that last bit on on dirt, that'd be fantastic. But what what are your thoughts about the course?
3: I think it's fantastic. I think it's really, really balanced. um, And I think there's something for everybody and that it has the potential to have a lot of different leaders. um, And that's brilliant. We don't want to see somebody get in the jersey on day one and stay in the jersey till day eight we want to see a fight and i think that there there will be huge fights for the sprint jersey and for the mountains jersey of course as well Um, as well as the overall and with the two big mountain stages at the back of the race on stage seven and eight i just i just think it you know it creates so much suspense but it's really interesting kind of Listening to people's critiques about the route and saying, "Okay, well, why doesn't it go around the whole of France? Um, why haven't you got stages as long as the men's?"
2: bloody um, blah. Is but- this is that not is that just not the kind of ignorance that putting on a Tour de France fam will attract, though? In that people coming to it without any knowledge of what a bike race is about.
3: Well, I, it, perhaps, but I still think we should talk about it because why yeah, are yeah, we? Yeah. Or why is anybody thinking um, that the the right thing to do is the men's model, which I, I'd say is a bit yeah. broken, really? Um, you know, he, I'm, all of us sitting here and many, many, many of us listening will have watched a six hour stage of the Tour de France from start to finish. <laughs> and you've probably been bored out of your mind for about three or four hours, right? But if you watch La Course, the good ones, the three-hour races, and then the two-hour one, two-and-a-half-hour that we had in Nice, you can watch every single second and you can be mm. glued to that television. So when you have these shorter 120, 130k stages or 100k stages, it's electric. It's so electric. And yeah, we chuck a long transfer stage in there, 170k. Um, and that's interesting because it creates fatigue, But we don't need that every day because it's not really interesting to have that every day and actually that just creates negative racing and no we don't want to go the whole way around france because we don't want to have you know six hour transfers every day i think that this new race um, it, it doesn't have something that it has to conform to and i just think that they've done a brilliant job of keeping it relatively concise but giving it everything it needs and yeah, time trial would be cool in the future, but why do we have, you know, we don't need a time trial. It's going to be super mm-hmm. exciting without a time trial, and time trials can be a bit boring. So I think it's great. I think they've done a brilliant job, and I really think there's something for everybody. And um, yeah, I think they should be very proud of what they've done.
1: My money, Lizzie, is on you for that long stage, given your record at the Giro Rosa.
2: <laughs> given your pedigree I'm just at the Giro. Say that yeah. I've
3: already eyed up which stage I'm
2: going to go on and where. Uh, but um, can I predict? Can I predict, Lizzie, that you're going to say that you that you're dreading the long stage, that you don't like long stages particularly, and then you'll go on an early break and leave everyone for dust with the hundred k to go, especially Richard. Hundred and seventy k to go with Richard. Well, we'll see. Maybe no yeah, I won't get probably.
6: that off the
3: leash. But no, it's brilliant. And you know how great is it? We get to get to ride through the fields
2: of Champagne. Do you know what I love about it as well? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, a little
1: clue there. A little clue there we... about which stage she fancies, I think.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we lament every year that um, the... Pre- I mean, what which do we call a premier stage race now, but certainly traditionally the premier stage race has been the Giro Rosa, the Giro Donna. Um, and we lament that we've not been able to watch it live, that um, coverage of it is swamped in coverage of the Tour de France... The Women's Tour is a fantastically staged race, but it doesn't have the variety of stages that uh, we need for it to be a proper comprehensive stage race. Arguably, the Giro doesn't either because it's too mountainous. What I'm really, really, really excited about with this is I feel like the stage winner of every stage will matter. They'll stand out. I think when we look back in the year... Um, in the way that a cycling season can often lack coherence and you think, well, who was the best sprinter? Who was the best climber? I feel like it will be be such a yardstick to measure by that it will just because the fact that it's the Tour de France fam will make it matter. And and I'm saying this as someone who's been really sceptical about the need for a women's Tour de France, mainly because I didn't believe that um, ASO would be dragged into doing this. Now they have... And they look like they're putting on the show that it should be. But yeah, I was I was the most skeptical about whether this was necessary. Um, whether it's necessary or not is irrelevant. I think it'll be wonderful. I really think if it's done properly, and every sign so far is that it will be, I think it will be fantastic, and it'll be a standout race of the season. Claxon! 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 Oh, here we go! Here we go!
1: I just I just, just one prediction that. Uh, when it gets as it gets underway there'll be a flurry of articles asking why it's not three weeks and if it's really really good and exciting there'll be another flurry of articles saying oh, it was so good it should have been three weeks anyway that's <laughs> yeah. all to look forward to let's get your clacks in Lizzie. <laughs>
3: exciting moment for you tell us tell us okay well in honor of the birth of rose and phil's new baby i've decided to be the new host of cryptic criterium oh. <laughs> <laughs> and i think we're just gonna have to do oh
2: my god i think i've got i've got the upper hand this month you can't. You can't wait do this. How it? many hours have I been awake for now? You can't do this to me.
1: Orla's literally falling asleep. I mean, have you actually gone to bed, there, Orla?
2: <laughs> I'm in bed. I'm in Orla's bed. in bed, and Richard's in his place. I'm surrounded by pillows.
3: <laughs> well, Richard's reading a book. There's a lot on the line here because the loser is going to lose their place on the cycling podcast seminar team, and I'm going to take it. <laughs> Okay. Listen carefully. Oh Lizzie, this is a coup. Oh sweet. Today's cryptic criterion. The police's favorite woman has double the number of hearing organs. I'm gonna repeat that.
2: Police's favorite
5: woman. The
3: police's favorite woman has double the number of hearing organs.
2: Something four ears. What? Four ears, ear four. I bet
3: Rose has got it already. What?
2: <laughs> the problem is, I say my thinking out loud and then Richard just latches on to it. The police's favourite woman.
3: Now, I think you should focus on the second part has double the number of hearing yeah, I, organs. And if you focus on that, it, four ears.
2: Four ears. Four. What? Yeah, take <laughs> those two words. Four ears. Four ear. Oh, people are probably screaming at their For ear. What? Four ear! Nearly there! No.
3: Nearly. Uh, the police's favourite woman?
1: Roxanne Fournier.
6: Yes! Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, Rich-
3: for yourself or <laughs> did you just go through the what? alphabet and put a, put a letter in between
1: no, for a I... <laughs> no it was the it
2: police was... I thought you meant like like the emergency service the yeah, police like well that's our... why it's cryptic all
1: well, that's, that's the cleverness <laughs> of it <laughs> 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 oh brilliant that was very good actually oh, I thought man. you were too young for the oh, police man. though older than
2: I look Well
3: 31 listen, on Sunday it's been...
2: It's been an it's been an honour being a founding member, um, but I've been unceremoniously dumped. It would seem after five years of dedicated service.
1: Well, thanks, Orla. Appreciate it. Um,
2: yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Um, it's Been a joy mostly. <laughs>
1: I'll
2: I'll still listen sometimes. <coughs> no,
1: no. Um, I think we'll we'll um. Actually, know.
2: Rose is on maternity leave. Surely I get her maternity cover <laughs> yeah, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. can hang on for a few
1: more months. Well. <laughs> it's um I thought the claxon might might be uh the revelation of your plans for next year, Lizzie, but I guess we'll just have Still to keep on keep on waiting for that. Yeah, um, well I'm gonna do another to cryptic
3: criterion to. for that. we have to wait for next month.
1: Okay, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> excellent. Well that's Well I like,
2: can I guess the other will never then.
1: work it out <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, listen we should wrap things up um just before Orla. Literally does know, nod off. We, we need to be awake just to say goodbye. um Thank you very much. And, well, thank you, Lizzie, for for joining us this month. And uh, you've done really well. And we'll be in touch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> don't don't call us. <laughs> this is the first time I. This is the first time I've been on the podcast with you. I feel like it can't be because I've listened to you on it so much. But this is my first time on the podcast with you, actually. And the last. Sorry, Ola. <laughs> And the last, I know. <laughs> Freaking hell. You need that,
1: what's that Graham Norton know chair? You know that, exclu- what's the, you know the-
2: that exclusive, <laughs> yeah, the red chair. You know that exclusive interview I was going to do on, on Eurosport for your new signing? Yeah, that's off, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm going to Cornwall for a big holiday, so, you know, whatever.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Made it. <laughs>
1: well, it's been a great pleasure. It's been fun uh, spending this evening with you, Lizzie and Orla. so thank you very much. Thank you bro. both of you this this <laughs> this, you, this makeshift you, lineup has has worked well. We wish Rose all the best, of course. and Orla looking forward to watching some track racing this weekend.
2: Yeah, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be condensed intense. It's just two hours or two and a half hours. It's two sprint races, two endurance races, best riders in the world going for a pot of half a million <gasps> euros. Over, aha! Uh-huh, bet you were a track rider, now. <laughs> over five, we oh, out. Over five. Weekends. Over
1: ten yes. years. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you could run a whole women's team for a no, year. No, we're doing. That. We're exactly. We're doing majorca this weekend. Then we go to Lithuania. Then we've got two nights in London, baby. And then we finish off in Tel Aviv. It's really, genuinely wow. exciting. It's going I, to be brilliant. That actually mm.
3: sounds brilliant. I thinking of I
2: was
3: about to say defecating but to what, the track tuning uh, in or converting no, to track it, defecating <laughs> to the
2: track but I mean um,
1: defecting <laughs>
2: defecting I mean that would be a little, that would be a little bit bitter
1: <laughs>
2: oh. <laughs> what why is there a delay to the start of our inaugural track, Champions League? Well, something <laughs> to clean off the track. Oh, dear. The jealous road rider has broken in.
1: Oh, my trying goodness, Trying to spoil mate. our
2: fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Right, well, on that this bum note. Do, this is what happens when you do a late night recording. I think we're going to
1: have to call it a night. Uh, thank you very yeah. much, Orla. Sleep well. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Thank you, Lizzie. Take care. Thank you, and have a brilliant time with the track hauler. Deficate well. <laughs>